You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Radio Show. Hey, this is your host, Matt Breckwald. As always, I am thrilled to be here with you, and I am thrilled to be able to talk about the things I get to talk about and call this a living. Wow, this is a lot of fun, everybody. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening, and I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. This is just such a great time to be here with you and to be able to talk about these topics that go so well with D&B Supply. Well, here it is. It is late September. It is that time of year, and it's time to start thinking about fall. It's time to start thinking about winter, and it's time to, you know, stock the pantry, stock the freezer, all of that. It's just a wonderful time of year. Hunting season's coming up, and there's something that goes with this time of year so well and that is the Old Farmer's Almanac. I, I get that special feeling of fall every year when I am in DNB Supply and I see the Old Farmer's Almanac right there on the shelf and it reminds me, okay, it's time to start thinking about that, time to start getting ready. It, it, it takes me back to, well, it takes me back to 1792 when you really had to spend a lot of time thinking about and preparing for winter. And I think that uh, it gives us a special feeling uh, to kind of think back on those times. Well, it was so great last year when I got to speak with Sarah Peralt, the senior editor for the Old Farmer's Almanac, about how they do everything, how they predict the weather, what is involved, and kind of the history. I wanted to do it again, and what's so great about this is that everything is new for the 2020, oh man, I can't believe we're saying 2020 already, but the 2020 Old Farmer's Almanac, everything's new. The weather predictions, the new stories, the new profiles on farmers and things like that. And it's all out there for you now. So wanted to profile that again. And we've got Sarah on the show again to talk about that. And I'll give you a hint. We definitely talk about our region's weather forecast for this year, but I saved it until the end of the show. So you can find out what kind of winter we're going to be facing, but you're going to find out at the end of the show, everybody. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Sarah Peralt and we'll have it coming up for you in just a moment. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, you know what? I had a really good time speaking with you last year. We did the same interview and it was a lot of fun to learn about the the Old Farmer's Almanac and uh, to hear from you on what to expect over the winter. And and so I, I was really excited to do it again. And how did we do on our weather prediction? And here is where you say we did perfect. <laughs> you did perfect. I, it was uncanny. I couldn't believe it. Excellent news. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about the uh, the next weather prediction coming up here in a minute. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get to that towards the end of the show. But that is always a fun part of picking up the Old Farmer's Almanac and taking a look through it and kind of reading what's there. That's always an exciting part of this time of year. Yeah, I think that's what everybody gets the most excited about when the book comes out. <laughs> well, I, you know, this is doubly special that you're doing this interview with me today because I understand that uh, you've got a special event going on at home. Yes, today is my daughter's third birthday. Can't believe it. Uh, what is her name? Samantha. Samantha. That's a great name. Well, happy birthday to Samantha. I and, will tell her to have happy, as she says, birthday. <laughs> Does she ever go by Sam or is it always Samantha? We call her Samantha at home, but we know uh, out and about she gets called Sam. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, I'll tell you what, it's it's a great deal to do this interview with you again because everything changes from year to year, and so we want to get updated. I, I, I love this time of year. And you know what's funny is uh, 
we will really start feeling autumn and fall here where we're at here in Idaho and Eastern Oregon, probably in about another two to three weeks, we'll start getting the real tinges of that. But it's always when I start, there's something that makes me want to flip through the old farmer's almanac that kind of kicks it off for me. And it's really my favorite time of year. And I suppose you probably have some sort of pumpkin flavored beverage at your side as you do it. <laughs> Not quite yet, but those are coming. <laughs> We've got a lot of really good pumpkin flavored craft uh, adult beverages in this region of the country. And that is coming. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> Me too. Well, let's do this. If you would, again, just introduce yourself to our audience, if you would. Kind of tell us where you're located and who you are, what you do, all of that. Oh, um, my name is Sarah Peralt, and I am the senior editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac. We're located in Dublin, New Hampshire, which is kind of the southwestern part of New Hampshire, uh, not far from Massachusetts. And... Um, as a senior editor, I do a little bit of everything. I write articles, I fact check, and we all do proofing. We have several wall calendars, so I'm involved in that process as well. And actually right along with the 2020 Old Farmer's Almanac, the Old Farmer's Almanac for Kids is available starting this week as well, and I am the editor for that series. Oh, very cool. Now, the Old Farmer's Almanac for Kids. So how is how does that differ? Is it Obviously, it's the content. So what's in there for, for children? So you'll find a lot of the same categories that you have in the Old Farmer's Almanac because, uh, you know, we want kids to get in touch with nature and weather, uh, astronomy, farming. We also have a great section called Awesome Achievers where you learn about kids that are doing fantastic things, whether that's currently right now or kids from the 1800 or 1900s mm -hmm. to inspire. Um, it's full color. There's no advertisement. So that's a big difference from the Old Farmer's Almanac. And it's available uh, everywhere books and magazines are sold. You can also get it at uh, Amazon.com and Almanac.com. Well, that's, that's a great resource. And I love anything that will entertain kids and at the same time teach them valuable stuff like about farming, agriculture, weather, all of that. Right. We want them to get in touch with the earth and away from their screens sometimes, right? <laughs> I completely agree. Totally agree. Well, so what is your story? How did you get involved with the Old Farmer's Almanac? Uh, well, I am very boring in that I was born and raised in New Hampshire and I have never <laughs> left. I'm still here. Uh, so I always knew about the Old Farmer's Almanac. I live about an hour away from where it's published. So um, if I'm taking a road trip, it was very often I would pass the offices and I would always think to myself, I bet that's a cool place to work. And mm -hmm. I got to find out uh, 16 years ago, came in for an interview and um, I guess the rest of they say is history. You know, the Northeast is such a fascinating part of our country. I, I've been lucky enough to be back there a few times and I was actually back there well, almost a year ago now and spent the bulk of my time in Connecticut and Massachusetts. I didn't get up to New Hampshire that time, but it's so pretty and it's so different from living out here in the West. It's just such a contrast uh, with all the trees and the hardwoods and the green grass on the side of the roads. And, it, it you know, there's a tendency in people anytime they travel, they go see a place that's totally different than where you're from and you go, oh, this is fascinating. I would love to live here. Do you do the same growing up there when have you been out to the West and seen our wide open spaces and our big skies and all of that? And do you have those thoughts when you get out here? Absolutely. Um, and I'm thinking um, I've been to Florida more than a few times. And that's actually one place that I visit and think it's OK for visiting. <laughs> this isn't for me. <laughs> it's kind of all the same all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I visit different places. But 
I do always want to come back to New Hampshire because, you know, we get four seasons. Usually we mm-hmm. haven't been having spring lately, <laughs> but, um, you know, we get the seasons and the leaves changing. And yeah, I mean, we're surrounded by greens and it's just a beautiful place to be. Yeah, it really is. And what's funny is I've heard this said from people from out west before, and I think it was my last trip out there that I kind of experienced it, but I spent a a longer extended trip there because I was doing some business. And you get used to seeing forever when you live out in the west. And you maybe I think you take it for granted a little bit until you get back to somewhere like Connecticut, New Hampshire, Massachusetts or something like that. And there's so many trees and they're beautiful. But all of a sudden, unless you're up on a hill, you're, you can't see the horizon. You, you can't see the sky go on for as long as you're used to. And all of a sudden you notice it. Right. Yeah. You got to climb one of the mountains in the region. That's <laughs> if you right. Want to do that if you want to see forever. That's right. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'd like to, to go over the history of the Old Farmer's Almanac. It's always fascinating. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So D&B Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way, Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works works as hard as you do. To outlast them all, get decked out in Carhartt at D&B. It's time to power up your plans for summer fun by picking up a Honda generator at D&B Supply. Available in a variety of configurations, you know you can rely on a Honda generator for the long haul because it's a Honda. Get staying power for RVing, camping, tailgating, and other off-the-grid fun. Even use it as a convenient, reliable backup for outages at home. Designed to power your adventures in life, grab a Honda generator today at your favorite D&B supply. Well, Sarah, now that we're back, let's let's talk about the history of the Old Farmer's Almanac. It's really fascinating. It goes back to 1792 or maybe even deeper with it being founded in 1792. But kind of give us an overview of that. So you are correct. 1792 is our year. So um, Robert B. Thomas, uh, our founder, he's on the cover of the Old Farmer's Almanac every Mm -hmm. year. He was a farmer. He was an amateur astronomer. He was very in tune with um, nature, as he had to be as a farmer in New England. So he, over the years, started noticing cycles and the way weather patterns were correlating with those cycles and decided to start keeping notes. Eventually, decided to put out a farmer's almanac, as it was called at the time. And his first one went out in 1792. So it was the 1793 edition. They sold them for about nine cents. He put out 3,000 of them. And his weather predictions for that year were so spot on that when he published the following year, he had to triple the amount he put out. Wow. Very interesting. So he hit it just right. He did. And when we came out in 1792, George Washington was president so I like to think that every president has had one in the Oval Office with him. <laughs> Very cool. Now, I was looking at the cover, and Benjamin Franklin is on there with Robert B. Thomas. So why is Benjamin Franklin, why does he get that honor? Well, since Robert B. Thomas is the founder of the Old Farmers Almanac, and we pay tribute to Benjamin Franklin, uh, we consider him to be the father of almanacs because he had poor Richard's almanac, mm-hmm. which is kind of a very famous one and one of the best known and one of not not the first. They certainly have been around for thousands of years, but uh, one of the I would say the models for the way the almanacs look today. And 
artwork. The artwork on the cover is, I love it. I could sit there and stare at it all day and pick it apart. And I probably wouldn't be able to even identify everything that's going on in there. Has that artwork always stayed the same or does it change every year? How does that work? It does always stay the same. Actually, I think um, two or three years ago, we kind of cleaned it up a little bit and made it a little more clear, but it's exactly the same. It's just a little bit more colorful and um, more legible, but it does stay the same every year. And it, it um, depicts the four seasons. We've got our founder and our father of almanacs on there. And as always, the bright red digit in the middle to let you know that you have the right one. So this year it says 2020. So when you say it always stay the same, is this the same artwork that came out on the original one in 1793? It's similar, but it's not the same that came out um, with the first one. But this has been the cover for at least 100 years. Wow. Very cool. Well, I think just the way it depicts what farming and agriculture looked like prior to the Industrial Revolution is, is what draws me in. I could just sit and stare at it. Right. And you know what? Until we cleaned up this image several years ago, there's... In the corner, it's summer, and we they're um, like baling hay, and I always thought that was a giant pumpkin, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. But I just always meant, oh, pumpkin. No, it's hay. Maybe if you ever read, read James and the Giant Peach, you might right. think that, uh, what a, no, it's, but, it's, it's very clear now that that's, that's a haystack. That's hay, yes. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Who, who did this? Do, do we know who commissioned this and, and who did the artwork? It's a fellow by the name of Randy Miller. He was commissioned um, to do, actually, there's a, an engraving on the inside, too, that he did as well. Very cool. Well, I, I really enjoy it. And I obviously, it works. It draws people in. And, and again, it's this cover and this artwork that, I, I don't know, it takes you back to pre-industrial revolution farming and it just kind of draws you in. It, it gives you a warm feeling. It does. And you know what it is as soon as you look at it. You know, even if it's far away from you, whether you're walking through a store and you're like, oh, I know what that is up there. That's the old farmer's almanac. Well, so let's talk contemporary. Is there a favorite new tip or a piece of advice for this year that, that, that you like? Oh, I always love everything, but my, I think my favorite article this year, um, it's kind of fun. It's in the pet section. Uh, it's called How Dogs Train People. Okay. So it's um, this woman that we've worked with before. Um, she's, uh, she's a pet trainer, and she's trying. she's giving examples of learning to train your pet and also ways that you can train yourself. It's kind of interesting. So, for example, there is a dog that someone's trying to train, So the owner says, stay to the dog, but then immediately walks away. So the dog doesn't know what stay means. So obviously the dog follows her. And so the example they used is, so would you give your 16-year-old child the keys to the car and just say, okay, go drive on the highway without first illustrating to them what what it's like to drive on the highway? You know, so it's kind of marrying how to train your animals and how it relates to your life as well. Very interesting. And it's titled How Your Dogs Train You. Is that right? How Dogs Train People. How Dogs Train People. Well, that makes me think. My dogs certainly train me, uh, you know, to get up at a certain time, to get them out of the house, to feed. I'm definitely on a schedule that they have set. That's right. They trained you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny way of thinking of it. All right. Well, let's take our second break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the contests and ways that readers can participate in the Old Farmer's Almanac. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. 
available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. When it comes to legendary performance, only a few chainsaws make the cut. Like the Husqvarna lineup, available at DNB. Years of razor sharp research led to many of Husqvarna's breakthrough technologies, including anti vibration dampeners to reduce the impact on your arms and hands, plus a combined choke and stop control that makes the chainsaw easier to start. When you have your work cut out for you, get her done with a Husqvarna. Pick one up at your favorite DNB supply. Well, Sarah, there's a lot of fun ways that people can be involved and they can kind of throw their hat in the ring uh, when it comes to the Old Farmer's Almanac. The first thing is you have an essay contest. I'd, I'd love to explain that to our listeners and, and let them know how they could be involved, especially if they like to write. Maybe they'd like to submit something. We would love that. So every year we have a reader, recipe, uh, excuse me, a reader essay contest. You get cash prizes for first, second, and third place. Our contest for last year, which are published in the 2020, it was Kids Say the Funniest Things. Oh, this was so much fun to read all the entries and pick. It was hard to pick just um, three winners. So you'll find those published in. And what we want you to enter for the 2020 Almanac is uh, what worn out possession is dearest to you and why? Um, There's a place that you can go on almanac.com to enter the contest. You can also send it by regular mail. So all those details are uh, spelled out in the book. So the topic is chosen, and then people need to do some creative writing about that particular topic. Exactly. Now, is there any advice you can give to listeners or any tips on on what makes an essay stand out, what you're looking for? Uh, We love it when they are more than a paragraph. (laughs) You know, the more detail you can give us, the better. Uh There's really no rules. Um, We don't, well, we certainly don't want you know, a 5,000 word essay, uh, there is a, a limit to what you can send. But, mm-hmm. you know, just think about it and just send us something really interesting. Sometimes something very ordinary to you may not be ordinary to everybody else. Now, is the prize for winning the essay contest being published in the Old Farmer's Almanac or is there more that comes with that? There, That is part of the prize. And then if you win first place, you get $300. If you win second place, 200 If you win third place, 100 Okay. Now, you have a recipe contest as well. And I was looking through the recipes. They're delicious looking, but... I have no idea. How, how do you judge a recipe contest? Oh, it's my favorite part of the year when it's time to judge the recipe contest. So uh, we have a reader recipe contest every year, just like the essay contests. You get cash prizes and you get published in the following year's almanac. Uh, we do give you a topic. So last year we asked everyone to send us their best recipes that used pasta. Um, they were delicious to test and taste. First prize went to uh, spinach artichoke dip stuffed pasta shells. A woman in California sent us that. Mm-hmm. Uh, second prize was Southwest pasta. And third prize was bacon horseradish penne pasta salad. Oh, wow. That does sound good. So, so we, do, we do actually test them in the office. Uh, we treat it as a lunch. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, and we all make recipes uh, and then we vote on them and that's how we find our winner. Okay, so that was my next question is who puts the recipes together for all of you to sample? But it's, it's just all of you working there in the office? Yes, we do. Oh, very So cool. obviously, I mean, we get hundreds of entries, so we kind of, 
narrow them down. You know, sometimes you get very similar entries. So, um, you know, the more creative, the better. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we narrow it down and then we pick a day and we cook them and we taste them and we vote on them. Uh, we, it's one of those days where we have leftovers for days afterwards. Now, there has got to be there's got to be somebody in the office that you don't want cooking. I mean, if I worked there, you everybody would be like, Matt, we just want you to judge the essay contest. We don't really want you to to prepare any of these things from the recipe contest, I would assume. We do have some people who we invite to taste with us, but <laughs> we don't necessarily ask them to make anything. And I do have to tell, because um, I'm the one who go, I'm also the food editor. So I also go through all the recipes and I have to tell everybody, please make it the way it's written. You know, don't substitute anything sure. and do what they said and make notes. You know, if something didn't work for you, please do make notes because, you know, we want to know. But you have to make it the way it's written. Well, let's talk about your readers for a second. So what, what information do you have about your readers? For example, demographics. Is it one part of the country that overshadows the rest? Is it an age category, a gender? Uh, who are the readers of the Old Farmer's Almanac? You know, what's funny is um, the Northeast where we are, we're not as big as we are in the Midwest. Okay. So I would say the Midwest is our, our biggest demographic. And it's um, in recent years, we've had a lot more millennials because, you know, everybody's trying to kind of get back to mm-hmm. the old ways of life and, you know, natural cures for things and making your own everything and gardening. But uh, relatively over the decade or so we've done studies and we found that our readers are between the ages of 40 and 60 okay. that would be our demographic but really now with the old farmer's almanac for kids kids that read the first edition that came out 15 years ago you know if they were 10 now they're old enough to read the old farmer's almanac and so they're reading too right now how do most how do most of your readers consume it are they do they sit down and just and just consume it all at once like a book or is it something that is sitting next to the the chair in front of the fireplace that they they pick up and read bits and pieces of it over the course of the season. The latter. Uh, we get a lot of people who tell us, you know, they put it in a particular place in their home, whether it's bedside or coffee table, and all year long they pick it up and look through it. So uh, we do have people who read it front to back right as soon as they get it, uh, which is great. But it's really kind of a book that can last all year. And do folks use it as reference material, meaning are they are they going back to it all year to look something up for a particular thing that's coming along, say planting and things like that? Yes. Um, and we have astronomy information. So any day of the year, you can look into the Old Farm's Almanac, look up into the sky and know what you're looking at. <laughs> and of course, there's a calendar in there, too. So you can look up any day and see what happened on that day in history or something like that but i mean we're a source of entertainment and we're also a source for reference well let's take our third break when we come back uh, i'd love to talk about one of the special reports you have in this year's almanac and then we'll get to weather after that you wear jeans but you live in levi's at dnb supply we've got a pair to fit you just right iconic and hard-working levi's are legendary Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. 
Are you ready for a steal? Then stop by D&B to pick up steel power tools. German engineered, these power players offer quality that never quits. Like the Steel MS-271 Farm Boss Chainsaw, available for just $429.95 with a 20-inch bar and chain. Show your project list who's boss and leave it in your sawdust. With legendary chainsaws, dependable trimmers, forceful blowers, and epic tools of the trade, steel powers through anything. Grab a steal at your favorite D&B supply. Well, Sarah, in this issue of the Old Farmer's Almanac, you have a, it's titled, or it's labeled as a special report, and it's titled Growing Farmers. And this is something that I'm particularly fond of reading about and something that is important to me. And I wanted to ask you about this series. How did you, how did you choose to do this and to talk about what's going on with, with farmers in this day and age? We've been focusing on farmers on the past couple of years because um, you know, the numbers are dwindling and we kind of want to know why. And then we want to know about the successes and startups. So this year um, we are sharing stories and inspirations and also advice from the people who are growing our food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got farmers from U.S. and Canada because we also publish a Canadian edition. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of wanted to find out, you know, wh- how they got started, uh, you know, what they're doing and how they're helping their communities. Now, how do you find the farmers that you're profiling? Because as I look through this, they're from all over North America, essentially. So how do you go out and find these folks? So we have um, two writers who wrote this for us. Stacy Kusterbeck, we work with quite often. And she did the U.S. farmers. And Karen Davidson, she did the Canadian farmers. So what we did is we went to them. We told them, you know, the kind of information we were looking for. And we wanted a sampling. You know, we didn't want everybody from the same area. Mm-hmm. So they went out and uh, contacted people to try and see who would be willing to talk to us and who had some really great stories. And I have a great story because this story landed on my desk after it was written because I'm part of the process of fact checking and proofing. So I'm looking through the farmers <laughs> and lo and behold, my family was in the story. <laughs> no kidding. I, my family runs Beach Hill Farm, which is in Hopkinton, New Hampshire. So I open it up and I'm like, Beach Hill Farm? That's my cousin. <laughs> Very cool. And had anybody known that connection before you opened it up and saw it? No, our editor, I think vaguely might have known, but really, you know, didn't put the connection together. I have a humongous family. So um, I said to her, I go, did you know Beach Hill Farm? I said, that's my family. She goes, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So I'm looking at the picture there of a young man and a young woman. So cousins. Yeah, um, the the woman, that's my cousin Holly, and that's her son, Nate. Okay. Well, very good. And that's their their beautiful dog, and we visit them all the time up at the farm. So, obviously, you've got great photographs in here of all the different farmers from all these different regions of North America, you know, Canada and the United States included. Do you actually send people out to collect those photographs, or do they send in their best shots? I mean, some of these look like they're really well done. We contacted the people that were at the farm, and we asked them to send in photos okay. um, there is one karen davison who wrote the canadian farmer she took one of the photos because they were in her town she took the photo of noggins corner farm market which is in nova scotia gotcha. so but the people who uh, were on the farm sent us their pictures really interesting so how do you select what you're going to do for your special report each year i mean obviously i i'm compelled to learn more about what's going on in agriculture and farming but is there are there other issues that are competing with this no, we really try to focus on agriculture when it comes to the special report because uh, it's an important part of our background. And we're trying to just kind of 
bring some focus onto the people who are growing our food for us. And after all, it is called the Old Farmer's Almanac. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, let's take our last break. Finally, when we come back, we can talk about weather. Everybody likes to talk about that, right? Absolutely. Anyone who spends time around horses will tell you, no two are alike. Neutrina understands that horses often have unique nutritional needs as well. That's why D&B Supply carries Neutrina's line of Safe Choice horse feeds. With controlled starch levels, each product in the Safe Choice line is tailored to a specific life stage or special need, so your horses get the precise nutrition they require when they need it most. Neutrina Safe Choice horse feeds, available at your favorite D&B Supply. Things are really heating up around here at DMB. You'll see why when you check out our wide selection of high-performance stoves from Harman, Quadrifier, and Heatilator EcoChoice. These classic pellet and wood-burning stoves light up your hearth and home. They give you even heat and easy maintenance with craftsmanship that stands the test of time and really stands out. So swing on by DMB Supply and see how Harman, Quadrifier, and Heatilator EcoChoice stoves can warm up your home. All right, Sarah. So here's the part and letting everybody know I specifically did this at the end uh, to keep you all around to find out what the weather forecast is. But I want to talk about the weather. It's fascinating to me how this works, how it's been done since the since the 18th century. It's really fascinating. Let's start off by this. What? So this show is broadcast on the radio in eastern Oregon the northern part of Oregon and the eastern side of the state, all the way down through Twin Falls, Idaho, so through southwest Idaho. So what region are we in? You'll be in region 13. Okay, so we're in region 13, and how many total are there? Uh, well, in the book, we published 16. Actually, now we do 18. <laughs> I was okay. say we used to only do 16, and we put Alaska and Hawaii on the web, but now we include Alaska and Hawaii in the book. Oh, okay. So we have 18 regions. 18 regions. Well, that's going to be fun to predict for Hawaii. Actually, you know, believe it or not, Hawaii's weather is going to be a little chilly in the winter. And so, you know, people think it's cold. I want to go somewhere warm. Well, Hawaii is not the place to go this year. Oh, man. Well, that's that's a great tip. So maybe your aforementioned Florida. That's right. We actually are calling Florida the Niceberg. <laughs> OK, so Hawaii is going to be cold. Interesting. Yeah. So if you're looking to vacation in the winter to get away from the cold, go to Florida. OK, well, of course, it's all relative. Right. I mean, Hawaii is exactly. not going to be exactly. 40 degrees. Yeah. I have a, a cousin who comes up from the south and he thinks it's cold when it's, you know, 60 here. I'm like, this is not cold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> beautiful. All right. Well, let's talk about our region, region 13. So uh, when should we be expecting winter to set in? Um, well, winter is going to be a little bit earlier than normal um, in the end of November. But um, temperatures are going to be above normal. So not super cold. Uh, and that's in the north part of your region. Mm-hmm. Coldest periods, probably mid to late December, early January, and then uh, late January into the beginning of February. I mean, that sounds like typical winter, right? It sure does. And, yeah, well, and precipitation and snowfall are going to be above normal. So you're going to have wet and you're going to have white. Wet and white. Okay, we had a winter like that just a couple years ago. I loved it, but uh, it did cause, it was abnormal for us and it caused uh caused actually a lot of structural damage and things like that around our area so i i will see if we repeat that i hope not but you know then our prediction would be right so i don't know i'm kind of torn <laughs> well wet and white we had uh we had very wet last winter 
And but yes, we uh, did as well. Yeah, not as much white, but uh, very wet. So interesting. So wet and white. And now, when you say the worst of it or the coldest parts, are those cold temperatures still above average for us, or in that coldest part of January, early February, is that going to be more close to normal? Um, it looks like it's not um, so bad. Like um, looking through December, it's going to be uh, about three degrees below average, which is not terrible. January, uh, two degrees below average, still not terrible. When you get down to March, uh, four degrees below average. So March is going to probably be chillier than you would expect. And March is when we're always ready to be done with it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that might impact planting and, and all of those dates this year as well. That's right. That is another thing that's happening because um, we have a little section in the book on phenology this year, and that's about you know, planting by nature signs and Mm -hmm. things are changing. Things are getting planted later and, you know, bees are pollinating later and all because of the weather. All right. So I asked you this before, but it's always, it's always interesting to hear about. And I know you can't give away the secret sauce, but tell us what you can tell us about how you do this. Okay. So we are basically using the same formula that Robert B. Thomas devised in 1792. Obviously, we're able to refine and enhance it with state-of-the-art technology, modern scientific calculations, and things of that nature. But we're still basing the uh, forecast on three scientific disciplines, which are climatology, solar science, and meteorology. Okay, so there is a formula, and it's amazing to me that this formula was developed, I like to say the 18th century. It makes it sound even older than 1792. Oh, but uh, that it was developed all the way back then, and we're still seeing it work today. So what what are your accuracy rates today uh, using this formula? Uh, for last winter, we were right about average. So we're normally around 80% accurate. And for our last year's predictions, we are slightly above that at 80.5% accurate. Yes, we are including the 0.5. <laughs> I would too. Why wouldn't you? That puts you above. Oh. There have been years when we've been as high as in the 90%, which are really scary because there's no way to go but down from there. <laughs> That's and true. there have been years when we've been in the 70s. So uh, I'm very comfortable at the 80.5%. So now how does or does the information about the stars and the planets factor into this? Well, when you, uh, we discuss solar science, they're studying the sunspots, you know, big solar masses that explode. And actually, they're, they're fewer and far between in the past maybe decade which is a signal of cooler temperatures to come. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the biggest factors. And was Robert Thomas able to to see that stuff back in 1792? He was, and I mean, he had his telescope so he could kind of see what was going on above him, but not so closely that he would know. I mean, today, you know, NASA reports to us, you know, yeah. when there's been a solar flare, and obviously he didn't have that sort of information, but right. um, he, could, he could tell what was going on by looking up. Yeah, I always think back to... To folks in that age, day and age, and if they could, if I could travel in time and go back and I could say two things to them. One, in just a couple hundred years, we're going to travel to the moon. And two, uh, we're going to have technology that will allow me to look at somebody's face and talk with them real time from around the world. Uh, they would have thrown me in a loony bin. They absolutely would. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is always so much fun, Sarah. I really appreciate it. If people want more information about the Old Farmer's Almanac, they want to get in contact with you, they want to participate in any of the contests, where should they go? You can find more of everything at almanac.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all those great places. So I hope everyone checks it out. 
thank you so much for doing this again and sharing your predictions. It was my pleasure. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>